this is Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host... Craig Moorhead. That's me. Uh, and this is the podcast where we talk about the uh, movies that have fallen through our cracks. That's right, and it's just us talking this time. We've had some awesome guests on. I hope you've been listening to those. And if not, I hope you've been checking out the mini-episodes, because those don't require a lot of... Um, of thoughts or involvement Mm-mm. and it's very I got a message yeah. today from somebody who was really psyched about that Big Lebowski oh, wow. spinoff so uh if you're listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about you need to go back and listen to that episode yeah definitely uh you, you need to listen to these all in order <laughs> um otherwise you, you know the whole universe that we're building you will be left out. right yeah when we get to that crazy twist ending oh mm-hmm. man it's not going to make sense unless you vote. That's right. That is right. Uh, Craig, how are you? I'm doing all right, Sean. How are you? I'm good. I, you know, I'm I'm interested and excited to talk about this movie here. Yeah, you kind of find a little weird gem here. Yeah, I did. Now we didn't pick this one on air, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the guests that we've had. So mm-hmm. I just randomly was looking on Amazon and was like, Craig, here's some movies. And this is what we went with. We went with a movie from 1973 called Nothing But The Night. And this is a movie that is directed by... Sorry. Peter Sasdy. Uh, it is written by Brian Hales from a novel by John Blackburn. And here's why I picked it, is because it stars Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. It also stars Diana Doors, Georgia Brown, Keith Barron, um, who was a little girl here. She's way down here. What happened to, on the IMDb? <laughs> no, yeah. she's not. Gwyneth Strong uh, is young Mary Valley. And uh-huh. then a couple other people you might recognize, like a very young-ish Michael Gambon is in there. And uh, Dumbledore. I did not notice him. You yeah. didn't notice Dumbledore. Well, we'll get into that. Okay. And uh, Kathleen Byron uh, is a character named Dr. Rose, who I don't even remember, but she was in uh, The Great Black Narcissus, directed by Powell and Pressburger, if you're a fan of that flick. Now, uh, this movie, you might guess, <laughs> as did I, starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing in the 70s would be a horror movie, because that's mm-hmm. what I know of these guys prior to you know, Star Wars and with Christopher Lee in particular, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got excited about this, along right. with this, this synopsis, which I will read from Amazon Prime. It says, in this horror thriller, so those two words are right there in the synopsis, Craig, mm-hmm. a strange cult tries to achieve immortality by taking over the bodies of children in an orphanage. And yes. I think that's a pretty accurate synopsis for like the last five minutes of this movie. Yes. <laughs> The rest, the other hour and a half, not, you know, no, not really. Not so much. I'd also like to point out, you know, the the poster, at least the, the poster that I've seen, uh, features a girl's head being torn in half as she's screaming. And yes. the title says, Nothing But The Night. And then a little tagline under that says, And The Terror. That's right. And I'm thinking, man, this has to be a really brutal piece of cinema right here. It looks like her head is being opened up by a drill bit. Yes. Um, yeah, and the, the little tagline, which is actually above the title on this poster, says, Who holds the key to this intrigue of murder? Yeah, yeah. 
Now, I did a little bit of research on this, and there's a lot of reviews on this thing online. Obviously, horror fans are, are, are everywhere on the internet. And apparently this movie also was known under two different titles during the 70s and 80s. First, and apparently... <laughs> this I thought was kind of comical because this is from DVDDrivein.com. But they, oh. they wrote a jury U.S. theatrical history that had the film playing in Southern drive-ins during the mid-70s as The Resurrection Syndicate, <laughs> which I love the title, The Resurrection Syndicate. In some ways, I think it's more appropriate. Yeah, but I just I like... Say- the way they wrote this, it just it makes Southern Drive-In sound so bad. <laughs> just like that's the worst possible place your movie could play. I, I would imagine, um, and I don't know if that's true. But in the '80s, it was also known as The Devil's Undead when it was released by Monterey Home Video and VHS. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometime well after that, it reverted to the title "Nothing But the Night," which was the original title. And um, this also bears the distinction of being part of the Hammer horror films uh, lineage. And again, this was all part of my excitement for picking this because Craig, you're the horror guy. I've never, to my knowledge, I've never seen a Hammer film from this era. I have seen one recently, which I didn't even realize was a Hammer film, but I'll get to that in a second. But what, do you have any sort of history with this very noted production company or slash studio or whatever they were. Uh, I mean, I, l- I've definitely heard of it, you know? It's like, yes. if you're a film fan, I think you're aware of it, but I've right. never actually delved into their movies. What yeah, about you? Well, well I, I, I've delved a little bit. I mean, I, I haven't delved maybe as much as, as I should have given how much I love horror and, uh, and, and yes, how revered the studio is. You know, we, we can thank uh, Hammer for... I think some of the better stuff that's come from Tim Burton, because um, he was a huge horror uh, fan. Right. I've certainly seen, like I've seen the Gorgon, for instance. I've seen kind of some uh, uh, random ones, I guess. I don't know if I've really seen the the ones that it's really, really famous for. Right. Um, I keep hoping there's going to be just one big... Um, like box set of Hammer films, and then I'll just buy that, and then I can just be done with it. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I honestly I don't know a lot about it. I, I I know the style of it. I know certainly from the era. You know, the Gorgon was made in in the early '60s, and so um, you know, like certainly in the '60s, if you're going to sit down and watch a Hammer film, you know what it's going to look and feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, which which honestly, it's a really very like clean and and uh, uh, it's 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 a classy look. It's a, there were some classy uh, uh, horror films as, as far as I uh, understand. But anyway, um, what are your feelings about Hammer films? Basically, just uh, kind of like you, it, it feels like one of those things I've I've should have seen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like there's a little bit of guilt there as far as like I haven't done my duties as as a as a film fan, even though I'm mm-hmm. not like the biggest horror guy, but also. I kind of felt like, oh, these are somewhat fringe, I guess I would say yeah. for the time at least. Um, because, you know, I, I think my sort of knowledge of historical horror is the Universal Monster movies, you know, the yes. Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Mummy, that from that old black and white era. And then nothing happened until like Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> yeah. Know? Which is so obviously not at all true. 
And so I, I think my, I was expecting, well, this kind of fills in the gap a little bit. And these guys were sort of operating, you know, outside of America and, and presenting the sort of stuff that would be considered, I guess, fringe for, you know, the Hollywood system yeah. of horror. And just, you know, digging into it a little bit today, I mean, it's really, really interesting. It's, it's, as a company, it's been around since like 1935, which is insane. Yeah. Um, but it really kind of became known as, you know, the Hammer Horror brand, if you will, was, was picked up kind of in, in like 55, mid-50s and, and mm-hmm. to the early 60s. Uh, like Curse of the Frankenstein, or The Curse of Frankenstein, excuse me, they did a Dracula uh, they did the Mummy. They did the Revenge of Frankenstein, the Evil of Frankenstein. You know, there's a whole litany of sequels there through the you know uh, the '60s into the '70s. But also, you know, reading here that with Curse of Frankenstein, you know, they had to submit these scripts to the you know BBC or some sort of you know moral code assembly, of mm-hmm. course, you know, especially in the UK where they're very uptight and polite as we know them. And, you know, here's this quote I'll read from you that like they, they, they came back on the script and reported in 1956. We were concerned about the flavor of the script, which in its preoccupation with horror and gruesome detail goes far beyond what we are accustomed to allow, even for the X category, <laughs> which I'm like, I get that. I got to see that. <laughs> yeah. So I think once we get done talking through this movie and maybe we're at, it at least disappointed me by not being a lot of these things of my expectations. I'm totally going to go watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, then, like gonna, I and say, that's, that's when we're going to start our newest podcast. Right. Uh, never hammer it. Yeah. But I will say, you know, I, I think, I don't know how you have anything but goodwill towards Christopher Lee in particular. Um, yes just seems like such a likable guy anybody that worked that long and, and had that varied of a career yeah um is interesting to me and i really i mean i just do not know his work prior to the you know the most recent stuff and that's my own fault and so um you know it was, it was to me the big takeaway from this was watching those two guys in the roles even though they weren't necessarily you know heavily involved in any of the the scare or any of that occult business yeah um which we'll get get into one interesting thing i i learned about christopher lee today craig mm-hmm. he hosted saturday night live when in the 70s wow yeah well, and in fact apparently it was his appearance there that led Steven Spielberg to cast him in 1941, which I did not realize he was in that either. I did not realize that at all, no. But this is also a guy who lived to be a 93, I think. So, you, I mean, of course, there's got to be a million of these stories. Like, I'm just yeah. scratching the surface here. But yeah, I thought that was amazing. And then, of course, Peter Cushing, I think a lot of people, if you don't know him from the Hammer stuff, uh, you'll know him from Star Wars, of course. He was yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin. My apologies to any of the nerds if I didn't pronounce that correctly in some <laughs> capacity. You, you know what? I, every time I see Peter Cushing, I don't even think about Star Wars anymore. Yeah. I only think about that scene in Top Secret. Oh, my God. Was he, I didn't even think about that. He was oh, in that, man. Right? There's a great scene. It's we'll such a great we'll movie. find it on YouTube maybe and, and put a link up. Uh, yeah. But I always expect him to turn around with a magnifying glass to his eye and then take it down. <laughs> He's just got a big eye. But yeah, he did a bunch of these movies. I mean, he was in The Legend of the Werewolf, The Ghoul, just, I mean, you know, you can throw 
a dart at any of these and come up with an awesome title, The Creeping Flesh, The Satanic Rites of Dracula. Um, he played Van Helsing in that movie. I think he played Van Helsing a couple times. Um, famously, he was in The Gorgon, mm-hmm. Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. I mean, so he's just one of those, you know... And I, I, I do kind of love... Even though I don't, like, love horror, I love that sort of era of it and, the, like, the Ed Wood stuff, like, even thinking yeah. about, like, you know, Vincent Price and these guys who just... Like, that was it. Like, they were locked into that. That's all yeah. they had to go on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's all that was given to them. And even thinking about, like, me growing up and, like, seeing Elvira, you know. <laughs> yeah. As cheesy as that is, but there was something... There's still something to me that's kind of like cool and and fun oh, about it. and also just I appreciate that as like a filmmaker that you know what that's that's where they made their bread and butter you know and, and yeah. they they just they did that they, they had just a huge litany of, of films on their filmography it's crazy yes do you have a favorite among the two actors uh you mean choose between these two yeah. beloved uh, film stars yeah if you had to kill off one right now who would you do <laughs> Luckily, they're, they're both, both dead. dead. Gone. Rest in peace. Yes. Yeah. My, this this threat against their lives won't mean. Okay. Much. If you could, if you could only cast one in a Craig Moorhead horror movie, who would you go with? I think I would go with Peter Cushing. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, I, I think that's yeah. There's an interesting, uh, but would he play? As would you play him as a hero or a villain? Uh, I'd probably play him uh, as as. The, the the guy who you think is bad at first, and then he's kind of a kindly grandfather, but at the end, he really is bad. Oh, I like that twist. Yeah. 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 That's what I say. I always think of like Christopher Lee as being the heavier of the two as far as... Like, yes. You know, like... And, and that was kind of refreshing to see in this movie. He's not that at all, you know. Um, yeah, no. He's not that heavy guy. So, with that I mean, in yeah, mind... neither one of them are evil. No. It's exactly. kind of fun. <laughs> And you, that became pretty clear very early on, even though I think yes. I was still waiting for, for <laughs> some twist of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, with that in mind, let's do get into this movie a little bit, yeah? Let's do it. So as we said, this is billed as a horror thriller um, oh my God! I don't know that I've ever seen a movie, and it's funny that we're talking about this after just just talking about the estate of Humphrey Bogart producing a film. Mm-hmm. This movie has to do with a trust fund, basically, and so there there is an older generation of people who have either contributed to or a very sort of wealthy part, or maybe by a relation involved in this trust fund, which is set up to help children. Mm-hmm. Via an orphanage, I guess. Although something like that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't even know. Th- that stuff is all pretty muddy and <laughs> so muddy. I want to. Yeah. I want to start first at the very, very beginning. Okay. Well, yeah, but I was to say because they're they're dying off. These people are dying right. off. That's well, but, the mystery. Why are they dying? But even before right? that, who's killing them? Okay. And and, and, th- and this is why I'm I'm kind of wondering. This is one of the movies where I wonder what was the original form of this movie. Yeah, that's a good it, question. It's a very good question. It feels like a story that's developed, and it feels like it's it has a plot, but like we we, we open on uh, uh, shots of the sea, and f- water hitting uh, rocks with like a sexy saxophone thing. It's a happening. jazzy score. Yes, yeah, a very like, oh, jazzy score. Okay, yeah. yeah, and then and then before you know it, one lady gets driven off a cliff. One guy is thrown <laughs> off a balcony. A woman is shot in her face. And you're like, oh, who who were they? 
and who just are they all, and what's happening? Yeah, the famous yeah. gloved hand. You all that's all you see is like a yes. gloved hand or two. Very and sort of say, Italian giallo type uh right uh, movie type thing. The sequence of that is mm-hmm. macabre and and you know, it elevates I think in a nice way by the time there's a pistol right in front of a woman's cheek, an yeah. old lady's cheek. I was like, "Oh, holy cow, like this is pretty yeah. serious right here." But you do have also the classic with the <laughs> the woman in the car and I don't even know what like they they put down the handbrake or whatever, you know, take it into neutral and the car rolls down the hill. Yeah. Like it immediately explodes at like yeah. the first. Like, that lady's car of, was filled with gasoline. There's no way. And I mean, like where the seats are, it was filled. I don't even think it flipped before it exploded. No. It just like explodes. So th- well, that made me is, laugh a little bit, but then it, it quickly built from that. Anyway, there, yeah. there is a little known thing about cars. If the tires leave the road, the car could explode. Oh, okay. Something to think Jeez. about. Okay. So, yeah, there from that, you do cut to a school bus filled with children and. You know, there's there's very clearly some ADR pumped in with them singing, you know, what is sort of like the 99 bottles of beer equivalent mm-hmm. for a grade school. And I, just pure chaos. on the, Like everybody is talking on that bus and jumping up and down. Yes. The adults are totally into it. You see that, the, the, like, I didn't even pick up on the fact, okay, yeah, there's older people on this bus. Like they may be part of the same group that's just been killed off, at least generationally, right? Right. But we do end up sort of focusing on one girl in particular. And then, okay, I'm just going to walk you through how I saw the events unfold. Okay. Mm -hmm. The bus driver was trying to light a cigarette with a lighter. Yes. The girl screamed. I saw a bunch of flames. Mm -hmm. And then we're in the hospital. Yes. Okay. Is that okay? That's how you saw it as well? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, and, and and I'm not sure if you were the same way, but I, it felt like, was she always in the hospital and that was a memory? I, no, I don't think it was, though, right? Was, but I, 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 I asked myself that question, yes. Yeah, I, I don't think it was either, but yeah, there there was sort of a, it does kind of feel like you needed, you wanted a little more information <laughs> there at the end of that sequence, like, because everything I is still, going just fine, the bus driver looks a little annoyed, it feels like something bad is going to happen. And I can't remember exactly why. It feels like there's going to be a crash. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's really set up, but you're exactly right. Then he tries to light a cigarette. She goes ballistic. Next thing you know, hospital. I still cannot tell you what exactly happened to the bus. Not sure. Here's, no. here's my various theories. Yeah. A, she's a fire starter. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she made the flames go higher right. with her mind. Which I'm going to discard that. I don't think it's option A. I don't think that's true. B... He lit the cigarette, uh, the the cigarette, right? Mm-hmm. She screamed because right. of some sort of previous fear of fire. Yes, that distracted the bus driver. Was like what? Mm-hmm. He drives off a cliff, as we know. Well, he probably didn't even drive off a cliff. The bus wheels went off the pavement and it exploded. Right as yeah, as it and happens. And a lot of people, I I think died. I think some people died. I'm still a little. I'm a little shaky on that because it it (laughs) felt like it felt like somebody died, even if it was just it couldn't have been the bus driver. It seemed like someone died and that was another thing uh, for for the police where it was like, oh, well, now four trustees have died. For some reason, I feel like somebody on the bus died. Well, that's what I was going to say. Option C, which I'm somewhat inclined to go with just based on what I was actually given. Mm -hmm. There was no crash. She screamed because she's afraid of fire. 
Yes. And then she went into hysterics. They put her in the hospital. And then through hypnosis, we find out, oh, something happened in her past involving fire. And that's why she freaked out. I thought somebody died on the bus. I think somebody did die on the bus. But uh, again, but it was unrelated. (laughs) No, I think no, I think I think there was a crash. But just by the way that it's investigated. But as far as the information we're actually given, uh, yeah, I'd say nobody. (laughs) You can't tell. You can't tell. Right. And and this is when you actually find out that this girl is an orphan. Right. Up until now, you have no idea there are orphans anywhere or anything. But this is (laughs) now you know orphans exist, and she's one of them. She's a little orphan Annie. Yes. Little, little Orphan Mary. One thing I do like about this, it is a bit of an ensemble. And so let's, yes. we'll establish the major players here. The girl is in the hospital. Mm-hmm. She's being seen by a doctor, a pediatrician, I suppose, named Dr. Yes. Haynes, yes. I think. Uh, first name, Peter. Peter Haynes. He goes to Peter Cushing, who works in the pathology lab mm-hmm. at the hospital. Sir Ashley Mark? Yeah. Yes. Sir Mark Ashley is what it says. Sir Mark Ashley. You're, Sorry. You're at a, I knew I was going to. Oh, okay. okay. And as he goes in, Christopher Lee is already there. Christopher Lee plays Colonel Bingham. It's established, I think, that they're he and, and Peter Cushing, Sir Mark Ashley, are very good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he's there to find out exactly what happened to the people on the bus. And then the doctor is saying, I think... This girl has got some sort of repressed memory of a traumatic event. Or she remembers what happened on the bus, but only through hypnosis. Right. And so he wants to do, I guess, further tests on her, but has to go to Peter Cushing for some reason. And boy, Peter Cushing is really not interested in doing any of that. (laughs) He's very stubbornly close-minded about even going and seeing this girl in the hospital in yes. a way that I didn't quite understand why. Yeah. Did you feel that way? Uh, a little bit. It, it, okay. it seemed um, it seemed sort of there to just provide conflict. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem like there should be that much argument over such a thing. It's like if one of your doctors thinks a girl is in trouble or something, then maybe look into it. Right. Go to your superior yeah. Which it felt like there's a there's a clear rank established here, right? I get that. It's yeah. totally fine. There's resources at a hospital. I get that. Um, but yeah, I, I just didn't get <laughs> he, he just did not seem very interested in this girl's health no. that much. Um, no. So within these moments, I think Dr. Peter kind of goes away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, boy... There's a lot of exposition going on in these scenes. And and I think it's it's pretty early on here where I'm like, you know what, maybe this might not be as much of a horror movie as, <laughs> as I expected or hoped. And it feels a lot like, like an old TV show or movie or like Dark Shadows or something. A little bit, where, yeah. Where, you know, it doesn't have a really clear visual style. It's just... Sort of basic coverage. No. And there's a lot of talking going on, and a lot of it is exposition. Well, it seems, and I don't know enough about the movie to know if this is true, but it kind of feels like the movie's built around the idea that they had enough money to get Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. So let's put them in a lot of scenes, 
but let's not let's keep them in rooms. Let's Very just have so. there be talking. And I think uh, they do go outside once each in the movie. That's possible. <laughs> that is possible. <laughs> They're on a boat at one point. Yes. And then uh, Chris Lee's outside. Anyway. Oh, and Peter Cushing's in a helicopter at the end. So there's that. Oh my goodness. That's right. That's right. Yeah, at night. At yeah. night? Yeah. That's where the production value went. Yeah. Wow. I thought both were very, very good in their respective roles and what with what they were given. Particularly Christopher Lee, who I think carries the 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 heavy load of that exposition. But he because he is the one, he's the investigator. He's the one suppositing theories about what happened, which is all these people were very, very rich that have been dying. I'm saying they all died within 24 hours, and the trust is, uh, you know, valued at five million. Someone is killing them off to get that money. Yeah, he is certainly driving the plot and saying yes in the process that the children were incidental on that bus. The goal was to kill the adult members of this trust. Yes. And I think what he's asking Peter Cushing to do is find something in the pathology of the bodies that would supply him with evidence to state, yeah, it looks like well, I, the fire was... I, I, don't, I don't quite know. Well, I'll say this, and, and you might be entirely right. I, I, was, I was assuming the whole point of, of Cushing's uh, um, existence at that point is... The, Haynes just wants permission to keep the girl there and not release her to her mother. There's or, a lot of that, yeah. Or whoever. Like they're, like they're so so I, I thought it was just like all they're trying to do is convince Peter Cushing that, that they need to keep the girl there for observation. Um, well, But either I, way, either one is totally as plausible as the other. Okay, well, let's talk about them because Peter also ends up pushing to have the girl's mother visit, right? I thought that was Haynes. Haynes, yes. Sorry, I said Peter Cushing. Yeah, Peter Haynes. Peter Dr. Haynes, Dr. Peter Haynes. Yes, wants the mother to visit, hoping that will shake something loose, I guess? Yeah. Okay, so question, and and I'm sure this is covered. Well, it's just that she's a bad mom. Uh, Mary's not an orphan at all. Right. Um, as I stated earlier, which was completely false, and I apologize to our listening audience for lying to them. <laughs> it's uh, not the first. Won't be the last. Yeah. Um yeah, has a mom. Mom is just a terrible entertainer. Uh, pretends to be a a, a, a seer, a, a mystic. Honestly, a fine, yeah, a fine actress yeah. though, for what she had to do. Um, but just a weirdo in the movie. A, you know, character was a weirdo, and and yeah. So Haynes wants this weirdo to come to the hospital and uh, shake something loose. Essentially, I think everyone everyone else seems against it. Right, but then Haynes makes it happen anyway. Well, with the reporter uh, Joan Foster, played by Georgia Brown. Oh, sweet Georgia Brown! Yeah, sweet the Georgia the, Brown. Uh, the yeah the reporter who becomes a big part of of moving the plot along too, I guess. Yeah, and you know you find out then that the reason Mary was turned over to the orphanage in the first place or to the trust was that her mother Anna. This is one we're talking about. Uh, did 10 years for a triple homicide, I think. Yes. And also was a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she became custody of somebody else for a while. And now, uh, you know, I do think that's an interesting question to ask. Mm-hmm. 
as a society, um, once someone has done their time for such a thing, <laughs> are they then entitled to um, go retake custody and become a parent of their minor children? You know, it, well, it's interesting. How old would you say Mary is? I would peg her at 12 or 13. That's disgusting. Yeah, exactly. 12 or 13. So what we're saying is that in the span of 12 or 13 years, this woman was responsible for the deaths of three people to the point where she was convicted of, of murder. Yeah. But now it's she's not in prison years. anymore? I don't know. Like something seems a little weird. Like three people are dead. You didn't get at least 20 years in prison? No. I know the Brits are so polite. They said 10 Maybe years, so. you're out. Maybe yeah. so. And But what's funny is she is not at all reformed. <laughs> no. In fact, the first time we see her, like she's going into the hot, she's trying to see her, her child because I think she saw it on the news. Yes. That there had been this accident, right? And so, like, yeah, she's going in the hospital, like, saying, I'll kill the bastards. Yeah. For oh, yeah. Taking yeah. her away from me. And then this poor doctor who's actually just trying to help this girl and thinks, well, it's probably within the rights of the mother to visit her child. And that's sort of, you get the idea that's a position from the reporter as well. They go to meet her, and she, the mom straight up says, I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> to Dr. Haynes. Like, she threatens him. Yeah. If, and it's like a, like, if you mess this up or if this is a trick. And yeah. he's just trying to say, I want you to come see your daughter. She's like, this is a trick. I'll kill you. Yeah, she's all and about like, killing. Yeah, I was like, boy, that's a, that's <laughs> maybe not the best play if you're trying no. to, like, you no. know, get your kid back and, and work but, your way back into regular society. I don't know. No, indeed, but but I mean, she is she is certainly a, a very impulsive person throughout. Yeah, the movie yeah, for sure, uh, and she's not one to be deterred. It seems. Uh, but yeah, no. so but but so she goes to visit, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we see it through uh, Cushing's eyes. Maybe Cushing and Lee go up there. Yeah, it doesn't and, go well. No, and, no, and there's just up, yeah. this. It's just pandemonium, and then they go back in the room where Mary was, and we discover how badly it went. Because there is poor Dr. Peter Haynes with, like, what, a hat pin shoved in his temple? Yeah. Which, yeah, I, yeah, I totally didn't know what it was like. Oh, man, he just got stabbed with some sort of weird star-shaped thing. Yeah. yeah it was a hat pin. And I think, we're, I think at this point we're, we're about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. And our, and our doctor is, is murdered this way. <laughs> uh, and I will say this, too. Uh, you were saying earlier, you know, not to put this on your do-not-see list. Even for all sort of the the confusing nature of it and everything, and we're saying that we have Cushing and Lee sitting around talking a lot. I have to say the movie moves really fast. Fast mm-hmm. enough that it's it's easy to 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 kind of lose your place where you're like, wait, did I need more there? It's not something that really dwells and, it, you know, it's not boring, I guess no. is what I should say. But I do think what you're describing took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. I do feel like I was trying to keep up with things a little bit and failing <laughs> in, in many regards. Whatever the setup that has been given to us to set us up for how everything's going to play out at the end, that setup is terrible. Like all of that <laughs> is just so muddy. You're just like, okay, yeah, it really is. trustees are being killed, but so like how yeah. would any of this, why would the doctor get a hat pin in his face then? 
You know, like, it's just like, I, I don't understand right. why any of this is happening. Um, well, and it's, you're not quite sure who to really follow for mm-hmm. a lot of this. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. we're talking about the midpoint of the movie and a lot of what's happened prior to this is just this reporter trying to get the right to bring the mom to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's some give and take with that. And, and she clearly has some feelings for Dr. Haynes and a little bit of vice versa. Yes. And so it's, it's almost like, um, it wouldn't be out of place on a medical drama show. Sure. Like an hour, you know, like some of that stuff is just, okay, well on this week you're, you're slowly pushing the story forward, you know, and then you start with a big event and the you know, the episode will end with a big event, but you know, in the middle there, there's yeah. <laughs> just a lot of talking and walking and, um, yeah, there's just, I don't know that there's really anything that's, that's imperative to, to know or understand until that murder happens and mm-hmm. um, Mary's mother goes on the lamb and then they move Mary out of the hospital, I think, with the, the trust, with the old people. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a little bit confused about where they went. I think they went to an island um, or like the Scottish Moors or something. <laughs> well, I just assumed yeah. this is where they normally were. Okay, right. They do go to Scotland, yeah. They're definitely yeah. they're definitely in Scotland, yeah. Because like a car, like Mary's mother's car shows up on a like a transport ferry, and right? They're trying to keep like Mary's mom from in. getting to her, right? Yes, because they think she's the one who's trying to murder mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, even though they just they did just let her walk out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. they didn't. They didn't know that, that that Dr. Haynes had been murdered when she walked out. I guess. Yes. Um, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That said, yeah, it, it does sort of become a manhunt for her mm-hmm. at, under the guise of protecting this child. Yes. And and they think I, I don't know. I guess the assumption is well, she's going to murder Mary, or she's going to take Mary away, or murder whoever mm-hmm. she has to to get to her. Which I guess that's enough of a, you know, you could build thrills around that. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know necessarily that they do, but um, I definitely, I checked out a little bit in that second half. I for, for sure will say <laughs> just trying to, to keep up with something. And it introduces so many different new characters, like even just like guys walking in the woods. And then, like I said, like the dude on the ferry boat and then the, the cop that's there. And then Michael Gambon's character, who you didn't even notice, um, <laughs> is there when... Um, Colonel Bingham becomes. There was something about like him being reinstated as a constable. I don't know. Like I didn't follow all that sort of like hierarchy of the British police force. Well, let me ask you yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Mary's mother, mm-hmm. right? She gets onto the. She sneaks onto the island. She yep. gets past the cops. She's in the woods. You don't know exactly what her motivations are. The movie certainly doesn't want you to know. Hmm. My question for you is, uh, are you worried about what she's going to do? Is there ever a point where you're like, she might be the one who's killing everyone? No. no. Um, I didn't feel that, you know. I didn't, I mean, she's so, I, I, she felt crazy to me, like, and unhinged. But yeah. not, like, she's not like a stalking murderer, like, or serial killer or anything like that. Um, yeah, she doesn't seem like a plotter. No, and I also... I don't 
quite know other than just the simple basic parental parental desire to have your child, which I get. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem like she's living the life where she is really missing out having a kid around, you know? Right. <laughs> like that's going to fill some void. Yeah. Or she's dying to, to live a, you know, parental life with her child or anything like that. So I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. Like, is she, does she just really, really want her kid back? It doesn't quite feel like it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, for me, the big thing was it kind of pulled me back into the movie was you've got, Christopher Lee and Cushing and various reporters, I think, uh, including the journalist Joan, mm-hmm. on another ferry, mm-hmm. and they're heading across the water. And I think it was Christopher Lee, or it might have been—I don't think it was Gambon. It might have been somebody else. Anyway, they were like, "Look, there's another boat coming. That's oh yes, that's the what the hell was that trust called anyway? It was such a good name, Van Tralen Trust. Or yeah, 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 Van Tralen." <laughs> Oh, that's the Van Tralen boat. Look at that. They spin all them, And then, boom, it just blows up in the middle of the water. And I didn't see that coming. Um, and I was like, oh, holy shit. That just, whoa, okay. I'm back into this movie a little bit. And then it's, it's not long at all after that that I think the dudes in the woods find the little boy that's been missing. And he's been stabbed 32 times. Yeah. That- and so at that point, for sure, I'm like, this is not the mom. There's no right. way. You know. Even if she killed that doctor, which we, you know, you kind of know she didn't. She's not going to kill this other kid like that. Right. You know, I don't think she has that. Even though she did kill three people, I don't think she's going after that kid. Right. She Um, she doesn't seem like the one. And let me ask you about this kid. When they find that kid stabbed that many times, was there anything? Did that clarify anything for you? No, and it was even more confusing because there was like a star carved onto his head, right? Yes. And so I was like, okay, is that some sort of weird connection to the hat pin thing? Maybe this oh, is. I didn't think about that. Like, That'd be true. Yeah. Well, I was like, maybe this is some, there's something more sinister going on, expecting from the synopsis that there's a, a cult involvement mm-hmm. somewhere here. I'm like, okay, there's something on this island that's not right. Um, we're finally about to get to that moment, you know? Yes. Um, and then we do, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason to watch this thing, I think. Yeah. Know? I mean, the last, the, the, those last minutes, so Christopher Lee goes to the, you know, the mansion where they're, and they're having a, a big bonfire. They've decided that, what, the kids are in such danger that he has to just bust into the, in, onto the uh, premises and go th- save these kids. I think so. And I think just as he's getting there, he sees... They have this uh, th- this sort of effigy up on a pole, dressed mm-hmm. sort of like a clown. Yeah, it was a little weird to make out, but I think that's a good description. Yeah, with good odd enough. things on its fingers, and then uh, like a wooden mask, right? Like a painted mask over its face, right? Oh, oh, the, the kids are are dancing around and saying some kind of nursery rhyme, and dressed as adults, and dressed as adults, and and it sounds very sinister, and they keep they start saying, I think they start saying, cut the rope, cut the rope, or something. Yeah, and they cut the rope, which then sends the effigy down into the fire. But before it goes down, the mask comes off, and it's Mary's mom, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. She's still alive, I think. Yep. And she goes face first right in that fire, and she's burning. <laughs> uh, before you know it, uh, you got Mary 
explaining the the entire plot to us because mm-hmm. otherwise we'd be completely lost. But yeah. uh, she is actually uh, Mary is actually the the vessel for uh, someone Van Tralen's uh, soul. The the uh, a woman Helen, who I Helen think was Van Tralen's right? soul. <laughs> And so are all these other kids. That's what they're all earmarked for, is just to be new bodies for these old people. Uh, which is an interesting idea. Not unlike being John Malkovich a little bit, yeah. I thought of. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of like more of a horror take on being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. The only thing for me is, if you, if you start there and you say, these kids are all vessels for these, old, these certain old people, and then you go backwards through the movie... I feel like it makes even less sense. I don't think it will hold up at all. Yeah, I don't. No way. <laughs> I don't know why a kid was stabbed thirty-two times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is the, is the idea that the people who died at the beginning, their souls went into the kids? I think so. Okay. I do. Uh, there was a okay. There's, and I don't remember exact chain of events, but at some point there is a separate scene with Peter Cushing and. I don't even remember who else. Maybe the reporter lady. There's something mm-hmm. that it's it's he's become convinced of what is actually happening. And I don't mm-hmm. even remember who kind of like even planted the seed of this idea. Right. But they talk about like memory being transferred from the trustees to the children. Yes. And so that's kind of like why in the opening all those old people when they're killed seem very comatose. You know that lady in the car is just just sitting there, dead faced, right? So they've just so, they, they've been transferred, and they're just. I bodies think now. yes, yes. I oh, think that's, that's just idea. a shell of a person at that point. Yeah, and that's been transferred to the to a child, I guess. How this takes place, yeah, I don't know, and I don't even remember them saying. No, I mean maybe it's like they use the the uh, sort of catch all of uh, well, it's a ritualistic. Thing, you know? Right. Like, Those and so maybe. Yeah. Right. I, I wondered. It, it, okay. Is that what's happening with Mary's mom? Is she being? But that's not what was happening with Mary's mom. I think she does because I went back and watched that ending again. A just for the pure enjoyment of it because it's yeah it's so insane. Like okay yeah so they burn her and then yeah Christopher Plummer is like trying to stop this from happening. And then they attack uh, Christopher Plummer, different, awesome Christopher, yes. Christopher Lee. The kids turn on Christopher Lee. Mary's obviously, she's the Malachi. She's the uh, ringleader here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they get him, tie him up in rope. They put the rope around his neck several times and then are pulling him by the limbs towards the fire. And she wants to burn him. Yeah. You know, and she does say in those moments, when I went back and watched it twice, that... Um, what did she say here? She basically said that her mother had started to figure it out, I think. Or no, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Dr. Haynes had started to figure out what was going on. That what she was talking about in those sort of moments of hypnosis, she was describing something that Helen Van Tralen went, went through, through, right? Right. Okay. Which is all, okay, that's whatever. That's kind of interesting. Um, still doesn't explain Not how, how the, she got there. Right. Right. And so that's why the doctor had to be killed. The little boy was going to mess it up. Like he didn't want to join them or be a part of it, which God forbid a little boy wouldn't want some old person being in their body. Yeah. So they had to kill him. Um, I think she said, and here it is. Okay. 
she said something about getting her revenge against her mother, which doesn't make sense if she's Helen Van Tralen. What does she care about Anna Harb, like this girl's mom? Like, I don't, there's nothing personal there that I can tell. So I didn't quite understand that. But then the best part of this whole movie is... Yeah, it does really ramp up here at the end. Oh, man. Yeah, the girl is standing there, Mary. And, you know, they're pulling Christopher Lee towards the fire. You see the helicopter come by because Peter Cushing has figured out that these kids are not kids, right? Like, he believes it now from whatever the hell happened. Right. And um, something causes the flames to swell or she steps in the wrong place. It's as confusing to me, and I watched it twice, as the bus, (laughs) the scene with the bus. She ends up catching on fire, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is she completely on fire, engulfed in flames? No. Uh, granted, if you catch any of you on fire, it's going to hurt. Does she sure. stop, drop, and roll? No. What is it? Just sort of like her, her arm is on fire? Like what? Her well, fruit? yeah. And like in one shot, it doesn't even look like any of her is on fire. And then yeah. from a, like a distance, you see what, what, what was amazing about it is like, I think before I realized she's on fire, she's screaming. So you get the idea, okay, she's probably burning, right? But you don't see what where she's on fire. And she says, wrote down, she screams at Christopher Lee, you destroyed my dreams. I curse your cruel God. Then she walks away from the fire rapidly, and you see it's like, yeah, it looks like her, her hands are on fire, which is bad, right? Right. But she walks to a cliff and jumps off the cliff, <laughs> presumably to her death, down below. Mm-hmm. And then all the other kids silently turn. They walk over to the cliff in their adult clothes, and then they one by one jump off into, <laughs> yeah. into the death. And that's the end. That is a stark ending. It ties right into the beginning with the waves and the saxophone, which I was convinced would never come back because <laughs> it just looked like stock you, you photography. Had to reprise no that. one was in. It's I was just like, yeah, this will never, we'll never see this again. But it did. It did. It sure did. Uh, and I mean, and then, and then that we dwell on that for the rest of the credits. I mean, we're just flying around in circles, looking at the water where all these kids jumped in and died, all filled with old people. Yeah. And why would they do that? Why? Why? Even if she did it, why would they do it? Makes no sense to me. I could come up with an idea if I was still writing the script and say, well, if she's dead, she's the only one who knows how to keep this process going or something. And if she's dead, our lives are going to be a living nightmare. So we're out of here. Right. But that's not really. I just made that up. (laughs) Uh, Right. But, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's. Really, the 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 shame of it is that you yeah. know you have these two great actors, and I like scary kids are always creepy, and I kind of felt like the way this one ended up was not something I had necessarily seen exactly like it before. No, and it's I will remember that for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Like it is startling imagery, and like the way it's played is really cool and creepy, and yeah, it's a shame. Yes, that that is the only remotely creepy thing of this movie. Yeah. And it, it raises so many more questions than it provides mm-hmm. any sort of like satisfactory uh, resolution. Yeah. Like I would it, much... No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was, I was, if it started there, <laughs> yeah. is that what you're going to say? No, no, no. But go ahead. I mean, if you even if you just had like, you know, if you open a movie with these kids jumping off a cliff, yeah, uh, the way that they shot this, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to... What the hell happened? I want to know, like, that's... You go investigate that. Or like, yeah, that or or yeah, crazy. exactly. Like like or, or you know, instead of the trustees dying at the beginning, even if it's, even if it's <laughs> not like, you know, oh even if it's not yeah. like, 
the the rest of the movies in flashback. You start out, yeah, just start off the movie with a bunch of kids jumping off a cliff, and you're like, "What the mm-hmm. fuck?" And it's yeah. just, and it's just because this group of kids was kind of doing what the group of kids were about to follow are doing, you know. And mm-hmm. you, like, you'll realize why they jumped off a cliff at the end. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's it seems like there's, it seems like there's really fertile ground there for something a lot, uh, a lot creepier, a lot more of a puzzle box of a movie where you yeah. can really, cause it, it feels like it really wants you to kind of switch your suspicions throughout, but it kind of does it in a really scattershot way. Like, well, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't provide you really any scapegoat other than Mary's mom. Right. And like, it's like we said, it's just, that's not a satisfactory scapegoat. No. I don't think. No. And it, and it, and it's not like it. Yeah. It doesn't really point hard enough at it. It doesn't. Um, no, 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 no. It doesn't do it in a way where you would actually, yeah, reasonably believe that she would be the person doing all these things. Yeah. Um, you know, much better if you if you had you know a movie set up where, you know, almost everyone you meet. I kind of think about the way Scream did stuff. The movie Scream, which uh-huh. I always thought was kind of cool in a very, with a very light touch. I felt like. It felt like the first ten scenes of that movie, every single person you met was like, that person could be the killer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, every totally. single and that's one. what they wanted you to think, yeah. You know? Um, and, it, and it was fun, and it was just, it was a little more underlined than than just like, well, let's make everybody think it's the loony. No, and I mean, especially, you know, we keep saying again and again, you got these two actors. Point the finger at them. I mean, for yeah. one second. And yeah. they never do. I mean, they they're never, both ever, kind ever. of creepy in their own ways. Sure. Like you don't know anything about them, and both of them could just look at the camera and creep everybody out. So yeah, actually, like, I, I thought Christopher Lee. I mean, I thought he was so good, just like as like, yeah, like this mild mannered kind of straightforward guy mm-hmm. trying to do a job here. And yeah. I thought like his shock in that last scene was appropriate mm-hmm. and like significant and believable and all that stuff. And uh, I mean, that really helped the scene. I think in a lot of ways. Well, and that reminds um, me. Have you seen The Wicker Man? I never have. Okay. I know. Because what's really interesting is there are re- very real echoes. I uh, wondered about that. At the end. Um, you should check out Wicker Man. Because like, the I ending, know. you'll be it's like, the, wow, yeah. this is like, it's like, to, this, you know, it's like nothing but the night is looking in a mirror, basically. Right. I've seen bits of the remake, and but yeah, obviously oh. that's for a different day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think it was an interesting experience. It's it strikes me as one of these movies that there's a lot of interesting ideas that just never gelled and were never kind of executed in a way to to make them really stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also one that you know maybe it would be worth checking out the novel at some point. Like maybe that's a more entertaining read, and they can actually get into the psychology a little bit and and some of the the uh, X's and O's of, of how the hell old people get into young people's body yeah. <laughs> in a way that, that is somewhat sensible, or at least for science fiction. So, um, yeah, that said, I don't know any other takeaways from this thing. What, I, I don't know that I would recommend this necessarily, um, except for that last scene, which right. I would love to see if we can just find on YouTube and we'll post that. I don't care. Like it's not going to spoil anything obviously. So um, you got to see that. Well, it would be, it would be uh, a very specific recommendation for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah. I don't think this thing has terrible reviews all over the place. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, there's people that like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's very interesting is, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the exact same year that The Exorcist came out. I think so. Yeah. And so, uh, by comparison, I mean, just, wow, what a night and day different, you know, kind of thing here, even though you're dealing with kids who... And I also thought about, like, the whole satanic panic, like, Michelle remembers thing where, you know, there was this whole era of, like, trying to get kids to recall things that had happened to them yeah. via hypnosis or via even just, you know, the, the awful, you know, interrogations by psychiatrists and things that warranted and yielded horrible false accusations against people in a lot of real instances. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if, like... um this was part of a wave of early using kids to scare people, um, or at least, you know, heightened dread in horror movies, which is like you say, I mean, scary kids is always effective in a lot of ways. Really? Yeah. Usually it Uh, works. And I thought the girl was good in this. She was. The girl that played Mary was Exactly. They had a good kid actor. Like they had all the ingredients. And she was pretty damn evil in that last she scene. She was. Yeah, she pulled pearls I mean, on and everything. Yeah, <laughs> she was. She looks ridiculous, but like, yeah, the way she did. I mean, that last little couple lines, which I curse your cruel God, which I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't even know what she's talking about. Nope. But the way but she I said her. it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you do want to check it out, it is on Amazon Prime, and uh, I think they've got you know several other horror movies from. I think Hammer, if not mm-hmm. at least from this era and stuff. And uh, man, I was I was hoping I could find one that would stump you and also impress you. But I think we'll try again sometime. <laughs> I can never be impressed. Craig, as always, it was fun. Yes. Thank you, Sean. This for all your the, info. This uh, episode in particular, I feel, was life changing, and I owe it all oh, to wow. you. Really? Mm-hmm. You're not going to go, like, seek out some old person and try to, like, swap mm. bodies with them or something, are you? Oh, no, uh-uh. No, not life-changing okay. like that. Just, like, life-changing, oh, okay. like, Just... I don't know. Like, whenever you find, like, a new cereal that tastes good. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. That's, that's how Sorry. I phrase that. Just I too... know how much you like your cereals. Yeah, different levels. Seinfeld. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, as always, you can find us online at neverheardpodcast.com, and that has links to all your social media needs. Mm-hmm. Come say hello wherever you want to. Um, we like getting messages. We do. We treasure them. All right. Uh, until next time, please go watch some movies and um, pay your respects to Christopher Lee. Yeah. All right? Really? Jesus. And, and Cushing. And Cushing, too. Okay. Good night. Good night.